So we're, we're in the series of he, uh, we're in a series talking about healing, and today you get a break from me. Isn't that great news? Yeah. Um, uh, I've got some friends uh, that are in town. Uh, they have been uh, walking with the Vineyard Movement here in Kenya for many, many years. So the Vineyard Movement was. Uh, um, commissioned uh, we were commissioned as a movement in uh 2012 and they've been walking with us since then uh amy and rand are pastors of the vineyard church in hyder park chicago did i get that right and they're going to be blessing us today so why don't you come up why don't we give them a round of applause Lord, thank you for these two. Thank you for what they carry and bring us. And I pray that your spirit just uh, um, anoints them, anoints their words. Speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Good morning. As Pastor Edgar shared, we're Amy and Rand Tucker. We are here with a group of people from our church in Chicago, and we want to bring you greetings from your vineyard brothers and sisters on the other side of the globe. They send their hello as well. It is so good to be with you all today. We are just feel it as a privilege to join with you this morning. And as been shared today, um, the, the church is continuing with a series on healing. And it's our privilege to share more with you of God's heart on these things for us today as a part of his, his kingdom. So would you pray with me? And we just say, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We want to see you at work in this place, even as we already have today. God, as we welcome your presence and worship, as we have turned our eyes to you, God, would you speak to us through your word, even now, of the things that you have for us as your people. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, I'm going to be sharing with you a story that I love from the Old Testament in the Bible. And then Rand's going to be sharing some stories from the New Testament because we believe uh, as God's people that God has been about bringing healing into the lives of his people throughout generations. And so I would love if you would look with me um, in the book of 2 Kings from chapter 5, and um, I'm going to be reading from, from verse 1, and so this is how the story goes. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but... He had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go. The king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, 
6,000 shekels of gold and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read this letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please, accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any god but to the Lord. Amen? In this passage, we see this man, Naaman, who is highly respected. He is the captain of the guard. But the last word that we see in this first sentence is the one thing that is holding him back and defining him. He has leprosy. He is sick, and he wants to be made well. And we see a contrast of a picture of a young girl. And the scripture tells us four things about her that are the odds that are stacked against her in her life. She is captive. She was taken as a slave from her own people to be with another people. She is young. She does not have the wisdom and the experience of age. She's a girl in a world where that would have been devalued. And she is from Israel. She is from the enemy to the people that she is now being called to serve. And we see throughout this story, there are these contrasts. There are people who are thought of as higher 
in terms of their ethnicity, in terms of their social status, in terms of their economics, and there are people who the world around them would have seen as lower. And yet we see in this story that this captive young girl from Israel is actually the one who sets Naaman on the path towards the healing that God has for him. Not what we would expect to see in this story. As Naaman goes off and seeks his healing, he takes with him a very large gift, large weights of silver and of gold, because he's hoping that perhaps with all of his power and prestige, he might be able to buy the favor of the prophet to find healing, to find this thing that he so desperately wants. And yet, we see that when he receives word from the prophet Elisha through his servant, to go and do a very simple act to dip himself in the Jordan River seven times to receive his healing, he is offended. And he said, this river here, have you not seen the amazing rivers that are in my homeland? Why couldn't I dip myself in those rivers and be made clean? And he walks off before he's even started to receive the healing. And thankfully, he's stopped by his servants who say, Naaman, sir, the prophet has told you to do something very simple. And would you not do something great if he told you to do that? And so he humbles himself in that moment, and he goes and he does what the prophet had told him to do. He dips his body seven times in the river, and he is made clean. We see in this story that God often chooses the unimpressive things whether it's a person who may seem unimpressive or a river that might seem unimpressive compared to the other rivers that Naaman might have seen, God often chooses unimpressive things to bring him out the miraculous works and the miraculous healing that he wants to do. And so when Naaman receives this healing, he tries to go and offer this gift and as he stands before the prophet Elisha, he says, let me give this to you and thanks for what God has done. But Elisha responds to him, the, the literal translation of verse 16, name, uh, Elisha says, is you stand before me, I stand before the Lord. And I don't want what you have to give me, but I want to send you in peace with the healing that you have received. Naaman has been given a gift that his money could not buy him. And it's given to him by a prophet who's not seeking to be materially rewarded for the healing that he has helped to see made whole in Naaman's life. We, we see this story even in the life of Jesus. Jesus refers back to this story in Luke 4 as he refers to God's healing and God's work coming in unexpected places and in unexpected ways. And even in the next chapter of Luke, in Luke 5, we see Jesus himself doing this same work generations later, bringing healing to a man who has leprosy in his day. Throughout this story, we see that in this healing, ultimately God is recognized as the true God, and God is glorified. And Naaman 
is brought from the darkness of his idolatry and his worship of false gods into the light of being able to worship the one true God of Israel who has now brought him the healing that he longed for. And in this story, I believe that it shows us that we shouldn't be surprised in God bringing about healing in unexpected ways, even in our lives and even in the lives of those around us. We know that Jesus said that we have to come to him with faith like a child. And often when we might think of something like healing, we might feel like we have to be like the prophet Elisha, a great man or a woman of God to see God's power come and break through into our worlds. And yet we see in this story that without the testimony and without the faith of the young captive girl from Israel, Naaman never would have been set on the path towards the healing that God had for him. God uses everyone to be a part of his kingdom work. And he wants to invite all of us into this story so that he can be glorified. Because when we see healing come into our lives, it gives us opportunity to praise the one who has brought that healing. I have seen this in my own family's story. I have a younger brother, and when he was born, my parents were told that he had a tumor on his kidney that might be cancerous. And so this, of course, brought them a lot of concern, partly because six years earlier, their firstborn son had been born and he died the same day that he was born. They lost him before they could even spend a second day with him. And so you can imagine that having this second-born son six years later and finding out this news that he had this tumor and he might have cancer even as an infant brought a lot of fear and concern into their hearts. And during this time, one of their friends from their church turned on the television and there was a Christian program on and there was a man who said on this program, there's a baby that has been born with a tumor on its kidney, but I want you to know that it is not cancer and he's going to be okay. And through this very unexpected way, my parents' friend was able to go to them and bring this word of encouragement. And the church gathered around and they prayed over my brother before he was a week old even and about to have this surgery to remove his kidney. And my parents' friends and family, they prayed and they interceded for God before God, everyone around them. And my brother had that surgery at a week old and his kidney and that tumor was removed. And the doctor said, it's not cancer. He's going to be okay. And this is a testimony in my family's story that over and over again, we can look to and say, God, we give you glory and we know that you are the one true God because we saw the ways that you intervened in our lives in this moment of need to bring your healing and even the ways that God spoke of this healing in some unexpected ways. And I wanna bring encouragement to you today that even if you feel like you might not be able to be used in the lives of others around you to see God's healing come in their life, perhaps God might want to use you just like that young girl, even if you have a small amount of faith, to say, I know a God who can bring healing into the lives of those around me. And God might use you 
to help set someone on a path towards the healing that God has for them, not only for their body, not only for their mind, but ultimately a healing that will lead them to the one true God and to finding the life that we can have in him. Amen? So let's look to the New Testament now and see how Jesus built on this, these stories of God's work and his people over generations and what he had to say. Amen. Would you just thank my wife? What a wonderful word. We get to pastor the church together in Chicago. And how are we doing? There we go. You know, you're part of a larger vineyard family. What's that? Thank you. Let's hear it for the tech team. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. And what a privilege it is to be here with you and Pastor Ed Edgar. Uh, we've been coming to Kenya uh, since 2012, but this is our first time to Nakuru, and it's a blessing to be with you all. And I want you to know that there are people all over the world worshiping, obviously Christians everywhere, but we're part of a vineyard family. And whether that family is in Indonesia or India, whether that family's in Kenya or Argentina, whether that family is in Canada or the US or Ukraine and Russia, today people are lifting God up and worshiping him together. And when I walked into this tent and I saw the sign on the back with all the vineyard values, I felt right at home immediately, even before anybody showed up. So it's great to be here together. And one of our values is what Edgar talked about last week. It's about the kingdom of God and how God's kingdom is made manifest. We see God's kingdom manifest in unique ways as Amy shared in the Old Testament, but we see throughout the whole New Testament that the kingdom of God is made manifest first through the King, Jesus Christ, and then through his apprentices, his disciples. And that kingdom has been passed on. Can you say the word healing? Part of your inheritance as part of the kingdom of God is God's healing. If you have a Bible, would you open to Mark chapter one? And we're picking up right from where Amy talked about because the same kingdom that was manifest through Elijah's ministry in the life of Naaman is the same kingdom proclaimed through Jesus Christ. And in Mark chapter one, we find that it says, after John was put in prison, verse 14, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And here it is. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, as you read Mark chapter one, you learn about this kingdom. Jesus says it's near. Actually, if you look at the Greek, it literally says at hand. In other words, when I picture the kingdom of God being at hand, 
I imagine God's hand reaching down with his rule and reign and touching the lives of people wherever that kingdom is manifest. And I imagine us reaching out. And maybe today, there's something that you want to reach out to God for in your life. If you continue to read in Mark 1, you realize that the kingdom is not just about proclaiming it, but it's demonstrating it. There's the calling of the disciples. There's the deliverance of a man with an impure spirit. And then when you get to later verses here, you read how this kingdom is made manifest in healing, and that's what we're focusing on today. So let me read to you, starting at verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and immediately they told Jesus about her. So he went and took her by the hand and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. And that evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole crowd had gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let them the demons speak because they knew who he was. The kingdom that you and I have inherited is a kingdom of healing. Now we live in this tension of God's kingdom breaking into the world. It's already here. And yet we know that it's not yet fully here. Sometimes in the vineyard we call that the already and the not yet. God's kingdom has already come in the person of Jesus Christ. And we see in his ministry and then passed on to the disciples, deliverance and healing and salvation. Now for me as a young Christian, I got saved when I was 18 years old, out of drugs and alcohol, out of a troubled life. I just was thankful for my salvation. In fact, I set out to let all of my friends know about Jesus. But one of the things I didn't know was about the power of God residing in my life and how that power of God could come through my life into the lives of other people. Now, how many of you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Just raise your hand for a moment. Just keep your hand up for a moment. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then you've reached out to God just as I described. But I want you to know that it's not just for your salvation, but it's through your life that God wants to come into you and then through you to other people. And this very hand that you have raised right now becomes a conduit through which God wants to use you to touch the lives of other people. You can put your hand down. And I wanna show you just one more story. It's actually a two-part story of how God's healing comes into the world. If you have your Bible, just turn to Mark chapter five. Now Jesus had been healing the sick and he had been teaching the disciples because what's going to happen is the disciples are now going to go out and they're going to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. But I wanna show you one more example in Jesus' life in Mark chapter five about how God's power comes through him 
and can come through us into the lives of other people. And so here I am, I'm reading in Mark chapter five, verse 21. And I wanna to read to you about two people who are healed in this situation. Mark 21, starting at verse, Mark chapter five, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was in the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and fell, came to Jesus. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed against him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet no one asked, who touched me? Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at the feet of Jesus. Trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus did not let anyone follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And after he put them out, he took the child, father and mother, and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, Kum, which means little girl, rise up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. 
At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Now Jesus had been healing the sick and everybody had heard about it. And there are two people in this story that come to be touched by the kingdom of God. The first one we read about is Jairus. Jairus was a person of power. He was a synagogue ruler. And it was unclear at this point whether Jesus was actually welcome in the synagogue. There was already rising opposition against Jesus from the religious leaders. So here comes Jairus and he falls before Jesus. Now I have three children, two boys and a girl. The boys are 17 and 14 and my daughter is 12. And I love each one equally, but there's something precious in a father's heart for a daughter. And when I read this story, and I've read it many times, when I read it now, I imagine my daughter on the edge of dying. And if I was Jairus and I heard what Jesus was doing, I would come to him and ask Jesus to come and touch my daughter. The second person we're introduced here is a woman who goes nameless. But her story has been retold generation after generation. She had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, and at this point, she lived in poverty. She had spent everything that she had had with many doctors under close examination, and she never was healed. She felt ashamed, and according to the Jewish law, she was unclean. So she had been alone, and she thought, rather than making a commotion, that she would press through the crowd and reach out and touch Jesus' clothes. And she thought, if I can just touch Jesus, then I would be healed. Now the crowd was pressing against Jesus, but Jesus knew that power had gone out from him. And he stops, and the disciples are surprised when he says, who touched me? Because obviously many had touched Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus walking through the room right now? Wouldn't you just want to rub up against Jesus? Wouldn't you want to be close to him? Now, Jairus and this woman have three things in common. The first is that they're both desperate. And if you've ever been desperate for something, you've cried out to God for that. You've cried out for his kingdom to be made manifest in your life, whether it's for his provision or for his healing, whether it's for some breakthrough in your life, or whether it's your concern for another. Both of them are desperate. The second thing they have in common is they're both humble. Jairus, who is probably well-known in the community, comes and he gets down and he falls face down before Jesus. It doesn't matter what other people think in this moment. All he cares about is that Jesus would come and touch the one that he loves. So also, 
this woman is humble. She doesn't even feel prominent enough to present her case to Jesus. She doesn't want to stop this important person. And she reaches out and touches his cloak. And immediately she's healed. Jesus is the one who calls her out of the crowd. They're desperate, they're humble, but what they also have is faith. Not faith in themselves. Jairus and all of his power and prestige couldn't heal his daughter, but he had faith in Jesus. So also this woman had spent all that she had and she probably was wealthy at some level because she was able to see many doctors. But now she's extremely poor. And yet, she hears about Jesus. And she presses through the crowd and has enough faith to be made whole. And that's exactly what happens. She is healed. But there's something more that Jesus wants to do because it's not enough that she would be physically restored. If you look at the text, it says that she came forward knowing what had been done and she told Jesus the whole truth. And there she is before all of the people considered unclean the moment before, but now made clean by Jesus. And Jesus says, go in peace. Your faith has made you whole, made you well. There was something about this woman's story, just like Jairus's story, that needed to be told again and again and again. That it's not just the rich and the powerful that can ask Jesus to come to their home, but it's the poor, it's the suffering that are welcome to come close and share their story. And Jesus can say, not only are you physically well, but I wanna make you whole. And I just wanna pause for a moment and say this. I would imagine that Jesus has done something in your life and that you have a testimony for your salvation and you have a testimony about his provision and you have a testimony about his healing and you have a testimony about his deliverance but you may still feel broken inside. And God cares not only about your physical well-being, but he cares about the whole of yourself. And he wants to heal you physically, and he wants to heal you emotionally and make you whole. But Mark goes on to tell us that Jairus' daughter had died. And what I love about Jesus is in a moment where others said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Jesus reassures Jairus that there is still hope. There is still hope. And he takes Jairus and he goes on the way and they come to the house and there's a commotion and people are wailing and weeping and Jesus said, this child this child's life is not ending in death. In fact, she's only asleep. 
And Jesus takes a few that have faith in him, the mother, the father, the three disciples, and he goes in. And he says to this young girl, arrive. And she does so. And she's restored. I want you to see the common thread through all of these things. It's that the kingdom of God is at hand. And when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, he took her by the hand. And when the woman pressed out into the crowd with her hand, she reached out to touch Jesus. And in this situation where this woman, young girl, had lost her life, Jesus now takes her by the hand. And I want to say to you two things in closing. You today can reach out and touch Jesus. Most of you today have already reached out to touch Jesus for salvation. You saw him die upon the cross for your sins and you reached out and touched him for salvation. But I want to remind you today that that kingdom, the kingdom of God, is not just for eternal life, for salvation in the future, though that is guaranteed. His power and his life is available to us today. And I want to encourage you to reach out and touch him today for whatever you need. What do you need from God? What is it that you want from him today? Maybe it's healing in some way. But the second thing I wanna leave with you with today is that you can bring somebody else to Jesus. And you can bring Jesus to somebody else so that Jesus can touch them. Because let me just tell you this, Jesus wants to touch lives and change them. I, I want to take a risk here and invite some people I just met up to the front. Mary, would you come? And Ramsey, would you come? And this is their little baby, Fatma. And we just met this morning. Let's welcome them as they come. Come on up here, come on up here, come on up here. You know, in the body of Christ, it says, the things that draw attention, we give lesser honor, but the things that do not have the same attention, we draw greater honor to. And I just met Mary this morning, and she was baptized about a year ago in this church, uh, when you were pregnant, right? And here's this little one right here. Let's just celebrate them. And this is Ramsey right here. And just before the service, as we were talking, I asked him about his relationship with God, and I asked him about where he was with this and what he knew about Jesus. And, and Ramsey, tell us what you told me about Jesus. Praise God. Praise God again. Uh, Jesus is the savior of our lives. And... 
with Jesus, everything is possible. Yeah. And, and we had a bit longer to talk, but what I found out was that Ramsey hadn't dedicated his life to Christ. And so just before the service, we prayed together and he gave his life to Jesus. And he said one day he would like to be baptized here. But here's what I'd like us to do. Would you all stand for a moment and would you all extend your hands here? Because I wanna pray a blessing upon this couple right now before we move into ministry time. And I wanna invite the, the worship band to come forward while we pray. So Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for Ramses, Ramsey and Mary and Fatma. And we pray, God, your blessing upon this couple and upon their lives. I pray that their whole lives would be changed and that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide them, God. I pray that you would provide for them. I pray that you would make a way for them. And I pray for this little one, Fatma, that she would be the riches of your kingdom and that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide and that your power and life would be alive in them and that through them, God, great things would happen and that you would raise them up as a couple to minister to others, that as you take care of them in the future, they would take care of many of them that Mary, you would become a mother to many, and that Ramsey, that you would be a father to the fatherless, and that your Holy Spirit, God, would lead and guide them all the days of their life. We lift them up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you, guys. So this is your opportunity to be touched by Jesus. And I wanna invite um, her ministry team, our team from the US to come. And let me just open the front here as we continue in worship that if you would like to be touched by Jesus in some way, that you would just come forward right now and stand here in the front and I wanna pray over you. Spirit. Just come stand up here and we, if you'd like to receive prayer this morning, we'd love to pray for you. And I want to encourage you to, um, I think there's some of you that as I was sharing earlier about anyone being able to be used by God, just like that young girl was, to point others around you towards healing. Some of you were thinking, I want to be that person for those around me. I want to help point people towards the healing that God has for them. And we want to pray for you today that the Holy Spirit would empower you to do the kingdom work that he is inviting you to do. This invitation to, to do the work of God's kingdom is not 
um, an obligation, it is a joy, and it is an invitation into seeing God's spirit move in powerful ways. And so as you come forward, we'd love to pray for you today. Thank you.